0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rogcast. i've got another extra special guest today who last came on the show back in march 2020 so almost four years ago now it is mr paul higgs from Millbank academy paul welcome how are you i'm good mate not bad at all so Last episode, which was episode 15, like I said, back in March 2020, uh, Paul came on the show, told us about his fantastic career in housing, uh, coming from Barrett Homes, uh, land assembly, all that sort of stuff. So please go back to episode 15, have a listen to that. Um, But yeah, we're not going to go talk about kind of your previous career. But what I do want to talk about is what you've been up to in the last four years. Welcome
1: to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Well, it's been a, it's been a funny four
0: years, isn't it? I can't remember, so, so when was it we, we last did this? So it was March 2020, and I remember because we did it in that hotel, by the far, I don't know if you remember. It was a while I ago. do remember. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We had a good old chat. Yeah.
1: So that was obviously. I will get so confused. What with the whole lockdown and thing. Yeah. It's been crazy, isn't it? So that was that would have been before lockdown, was it?
0: Just before. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, um, well, that was a bit weird, wasn't it, for, <laughs> for, 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 for a couple of years? So, um, so what have I been up to? Well, well, look, same, same as ever. Land planning and development deals and you know, I've always got and always had things at all different stages in the pipeline. So there's always something, you know, just been signed up, just been finished, halfway through or whatever. Um, luckily enough, actually, was I building anything? I don't think, I wasn't actually in the middle of building anything during the lockdown. So that was, I guess, quite, quite handy, although building didn't actually get affected as much as a lot of things, obviously. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've got a training business as, as well. So, my, you know, 80% of the time, um, Millbank Group, you know, I'm a, de- I'm a developer. 10 years ago, a bit more now actually, I started a property development training business, Millbank Land Academy. And of course, that all had to stop because we used to do live training and it, and it was probably sort of like, we used to do sort of like one thing a month. That all stopped, but we had a load of people booked up still interested. Um, so during that period, we went into a studio and, recorded it all so it's all online digital um so that's that's one of the things i've been doing since um and then i had i think i i can't remember yeah i, just, I one of my projects was just about to get planning i obviously i didn't know that at the time because it was at appeal right so you never know which way it's going to go
0: i think we might have briefly touched on it in the last did, episode did was can't... this was this the one with the chicken coops
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It so was, it, it was old you, agricultural stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what remind me what had happened? Had I just got so it, I, or was I waiting uh, so for? So I think it?
0: you just you hadn't got
1: the planning yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean that was that was a long term yeah. deal, right? Sure. So before I came along, that one had a thirty five year history of planning refusals. So touch wood, I've still got a hundred percent planning track record. I've never ultimately not got planning, right? But a lot of them I've had to win at appeal. So possibly that one at the time, we might have been waiting for the, waiting for the appeal for the decision to come through. So anyway, so that came through. Obviously, it was all a bit of a slow start because of lockdown stuff, but um, got geared up for that. Um, built it just finished it now actually so that's probably the main thing i've i've been working on the last couple of years is building that
0: and that was on the green belt wasn't it because that was part of the the issue of how it went to appeal it was it was
1: so 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 the site's green belt and it's also designated as an area of outstanding natural beauty albeit it was literally covered you know it was defunct and covered in horrible old buildings and had been for like 30 or 30 odd years but nevertheless, you know, doing stuff in a green belt is super difficult, although this certainly wasn't what most people would imagine green belt to be.
0: Mm. And so, well, tell us, what was it like? What Because when I think of green belt, or, or I imagine most people think of green belt, they think of lovely green meadows yeah, exactly. and fields and things we don't want to spoil. And add to that area of outstanding beauty, you think, oh, God, this is going to be picturesque. But it wasn't like no, that at no, all, No, no, no.
1: And, it, and it's, it's interesting, actually. So, you know... I'm certainly not your archetypal greedy developer. You know, I'm actually really into looking after the environment. I'm really into nature and stuff like that. So I don't think you should be building on, you know, chopping down trees and building on farms and fields yeah? which is what most people imagine Greenbelt to be. Sure. And, and there is a lot that's like that, but not all of it. So this site, for example, um, you know, was 80% covered in buildings, hard standing, old sheds. That had all, you know, basically become um, dilapidated and defunct. So it's sort of laying there bare with nothing happening for years and years and years, and, and and needed tidying up and sorting out because, you know, one of the key tests for stuff in the green belt is about the openness. Now this site wasn't very open at all. It was a real, real eyesore, and remember, it was an area of outstanding natural beauty as well. So, um, but nevertheless, just because of that, those planning designations you know, it was, it was still sort of a non-starter. Hence, before me, there had been eight planning refusals over a period of 35 years. Wow. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons I quite liked it to start with, because I knew it was going to be a challenge. I wanted to sort of test myself a bit. I knew it needed to be something a bit special in order to hopefully win planning. Um, and, the, and, it, and eventually it did.
0: So what made your scheme Special enough to win at appeal, uh, where others before you hadn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: uh, one of the things
1: that most developers do wrong is 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 that sort of like one sit one size fits all. Sure. They 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 sort of try to do the same thing all the time. And they're not detailed enough. They're not strategic enough. Um, and um, I love them. I don't think they really just don't really care enough. So, you know, as always, you've got to have a really good team. We had really good architects, really good planning consultants. Um, and between us all, we, we came up with a proposal that basically got rid of almost 70% of the stuff that was there. So we massively cleaned up the site. And then we just built three new super sustainable houses that were largely sitting on the footprints of, what, of the buildings that were there already. They're all, and, and also they're very similar volumes. So they, these things, when you, you see pictures of them, they're all funny shapes and sizes and angles. They look like agricultural buildings. Mm-hmm. So the, basically the crux of the argument was, well, look, it, it doesn't, it's not gonna look too much different to what was there originally, with the exception of they're gonna be nice new, brand new residential buildings rather than falling down agricultural buildings. And we're getting rid of 60, 70% of all of the rubbish that was there, and we're rewilding it and we're landscaping and we're actually making it how the Green Belt and areas of outside the natural beauty should be.
0: Because I can't remember who did this study, um, but it, they were looking at the Green Belt and they found that 13% of the Green Belt is actually not the meadows and farms that we think it is. It's areas like this and it's even car parks and yeah. things like that that are ripe for building on and in great locations and um, near kind of transport and all that kind of stuff. So definitely the green belt is not what maybe the media portrays it yeah, as. Exactly. Um, what you talked about kind of, you've, you've brought it back to, you, well, you've essentially made it green. Talk to us about the design behind that and the construction methods in which you, could, you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, like this, this year is my fortieth year in development, yeah. So I, you know, as you know, started off very small, a long, long time ago yeah. just doing refurbs, built up really big, was head of land at Barrett's biggest developer in the country. So I worked for PLC developers for, for ten years and managed to escape that twenty plus years ago now. So, you know, I've done a lot of stuff in my career and and now really I'm I just wanna do things differently. I wanna support and encourage new developers, because loads of them have disappeared over the last, well, so interestingly, the year I built my first new build house, which was 1988, was the peak of SME developers. Since then, it got increasingly difficult, and they've all disappeared, yeah? So I want to, you know, it's one of the reasons for starting the training business, right? I want to support and encourage more developers to learn how to do things the right way. So, you know, so I'm not just into building and developing, Mm -hmm. I'm into, like, doing good stuff and and things like that. So... which is one of the reasons I really like this site to start with because it was going to be an interesting challenge. And so the focus was on you know, clever design, incorporating the nature, bringing in new nature, um, and also um, something called biophilic design, which you may or may not have heard of, which is to do with the, the connection and the connectedness between people and, and nature because that massively increases sure. wellness,
0: right? So is that just, just touching on the biophilic stuff, is that things like what can help? Um, uh, it's got nature, well, nature human kind of connection. So it could be things like um, fresh air, outlook, seeing water, um, seeing plants.
1: Totally, totally. If you, I'll take it like an extreme analogy just yeah. just to sort of make make the point, yeah? You can imagine, you know, I don't know, you know, thousands of years ago when you're like you know living in your your cave or your wooden hut with your sort of like family in the forest and it's all next to the stream and your fire and the sunset at night and the sunrise in the morning you know it's it's you feel good right it's a bit like when you go on a little camping holiday or whatever right people feel nice feel better yeah. in nature right it, it nurtures us yeah conversely you imagine you live in like i don't know the center of hong kong in a studio flat you know the environment massively affects, sure. affects us, yeah? So, so that's a sort of overarching concept of it all. So it's lots of natural light, um, natural materials, um, organic shapes, basically making people feel as much as possible like they're in nature. Yeah. It, it's, it's the air conditions, um, for example, you know, we've got all zero VOC paint, so there's no nasty chemicals in stuff. So because all of this stuff subtly, subtly affects people and, and for most of us it's around us all the time, so they're not even aware of it, yeah? But you know, if and when you can get all of the good stuff into a development and into design, people just feel much better, they're healthier, they're happier.
0: Well, it's like um I know for me, if I get outside in the daytime in some sunlight fresh air, just going for a walk, I feel much better. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. it's as simple as that, rather than this, I'm cooped up in the office, so I can imagine if you're living somewhere that embodies that, it's gonna help with, I don't know, keeping everyone in a good mood.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly, and so they, you know, they, there's ancient woodland immediately, so like you know, one one of the houses, the whole corner opens up, so the windows go go back one way and go back though. so they've yeah. got like a hanging corner, You're sitting in your living room. They all got open proper wood burning fires. You're looking straight into the ancient woodland. There's deer's running around in the garden. Um, You know, just it's 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 just little internal atriums with lots of plants in there.
0: You know, there's it's just all good stuff, really. And what like what was the driving force behind that? Was that you going? I want to do um, a biophilic design, or was it? well this is really a planning issue and if we want to get through planning we need to do it this way or was it something else
1: so look like like i said earlier you know i, I now i'm just interested in in doing good stuff and hopefully you know proving that there's a better way of doing stuff yeah. right so so part of it was me part of it was well certainly the the planning it was that the planning argument was the thing that really won, won the planning was was having buildings that sat on um, similar footprints and shapes and sizes and volumes. So
0: you you weren't expanding the massing kind of thing. Exactly. If anything,
1: yeah. we, well we were Red, actually massively reducing, reducing yeah. the massing. Fantastic, yeah. And yeah. we were getting rid of all the hard standing. Um, there was nearly a quarter of a million quid worth of knotweed, Japanese knotweed. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, you know, so so like the, it's I guess the the layout. And the principle of design was the thing that swung us to planning. Sure. But all of the sort of other stuff was, you know, the the building with nature, certainly the biophilic design. No one forced us to do that, but it all nicely lent itself with yeah. the overall concept of the scheme, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, so you're taking the opportunity and you're giving what the best fit to make it work, I guess, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. And how did you find, like, going back to that green belt element... We hear a lot in the media about this green belt. How do you think the reality of dealing with the green belt um, kind of... Uh, how how was it compared to how it's represented by government in planning? Because we hear about kind of, I don't know, is it the N- NPFF or NFPF or whatever NP-PF, it's yeah, that's, yeah. that's the one. Um, and with, there's a lot of talk in there about the green belt. I mean, how do you find the reality of working on a scheme like this. Obviously, it took a long time to get the planning and things like that. What barriers do you think are up against developers? and Do you think the government and the MPPF is realistic in what it's kind of put out there?
1: I think the problem is, certainly, you know, the last... Three years, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. I mean, planning's been getting increasingly worse. I mean, it's literally been the worst that yeah. it's ever been. And, and I have got to say, you know, when I've it, it's been an up and down, and that's what happens. You know, you get different sure. go- governments in and out. Sometimes it's a bit easier. Sometimes it's a bit harder. There have been times in the past when it's been crazy hard, um, but now it's just ridiculous mm. for 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 all all sorts of reasons. Uh, largely political actually so you know all of the stuff that's that's been done some of the changes that have been made in the new MPPF you know they, they're clearly they're, they're not about getting housing created they're about votes mm-hmm. yeah so you know saying that there will no be no more building on the green belt and everything's got to be brownfield well that sounds great doesn't it right but but You know, look, like I say, I'm totally, I'm not for chopping down trees or building on fields, but but all green belt's not like that as we've as we've just just discovered, yeah, thirteen percent. So so the part the the problem is it's not really, yeah, the government aren't listening to people that are actually at the coalface trying to do it, Mm -hmm. Um, and of course there are developers that sort of don't care and they would chop down trees. And they would build all over the country and they're just focused on the money. I've got to tell you, there's not actually that many like that, really. They're nowhere near as bad as, you know, public perception might well, have a, it. it's a
0: bit like public perception of landlords, isn't it? It's, it's, it's similar. Yeah, it's like, yeah. we, the, the P, we need a new PR team, don't we?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is it is similar. And, and, and as I said, that's one of the reasons I started doing the training, really, to actually convince people and persuade people, you know, developers actually, look, there is a better way of doing this, mm. yeah? Mm. And, and, the case, and the, this is the thing. So the sooner we can all be seen to be doing things the right way, and at the end of the day, because it's, it's largely developers that build the houses, right, and we've got a massive housing problem and, of course, we need more houses, the sooner people can start understanding that not all developers are assholes and that some of them are trying to do the right thing mm. and, 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 more of them, and more of them do learn to, to do the right thing, and we all start working together collaboratively,
0: then then the better it will be for everyone. Well, I think one of the one of the issues is we want to encourage developers to develop. So you've got to kind of have a carrot, haven't you, to to encourage investment into development and things like that. I mean, um, in Scotland where they had kind of rent freezes, you had all these build-to-rent schemes that suddenly pulled out of developing. Yeah all yeah. these new houses because they went, oh, no, we don't want to do it. So it's thinking about, well, what's going to encourage investment into development? What's going to encourage more? Because at the moment, there's there's too many barriers up that are stopping people go do that.
1: They're, so- they're, 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 they're re- they really are. So you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there's new, numerous surveys been done over the years by the, you know, the HBF, the Federation of Master Builders, the NHBC, all the sort of you know mm-hmm. leading bodies within the house building industry into the biggest barriers of growth to developers of all sizes. And it's always land and planning. And, um, and, it's, and it's been getting worse. So more, and as it gets harder, just more and more of them, you know, it makes it hard for new people to come in. And all of the people that are in it, many of them, certainly when you start getting to my age, you know,
0: you do seriously think about giving up. <laughs> um, you mentioned kind of the planning system. How do you think over the last sort of, I don't know, five years, let's say. Um, how do you think it's affected the build of new homes and what can be done to increase the building? Well,
1: the, the, the biggest problem is the lack of resourcing in the planning system. Yeah, so, so you know, not enough people in planning departments, full stop, mm-hmm. and, and certainly not enough good people.
0: But why would you, when you can go into private practice? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. exactly. And that's what I mean is, exactly. there's no encouragement, is there?
1: If 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 I could do one thing to help improve things, I I would like you know throw tons of money at planning departments, make them the highest paid planners in the industry, to really encourage all the best people to go there
0: and encourage growth within the department, because you've got to see, well, if I go into council planning, can I? what's my career progression? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. at the moment, I think people look at it and go, well, I'll do two years as a town planner there and then I'll bugger but off that, to, that is, that to is a private practice. Plan. practice go, and, and, yeah, go and get a bit of local yeah, authority yeah, yeah,
1: experience yeah. and then go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it is a big, it is a big problem because of course local authorities, they've got all sorts of pay structures and stuff like that. And you know, it's not an easy one. I mean, in actual fact, a lot of people you know would would complain about this but but sort of outsourcing it to the to the private, private sector, sector yeah. would make a big 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 difference
0: and i mean apart from then the resources in the planning department what else is a barrier to new homes being built at the moment is it i mean there's always been a lot of complaints about our planning rules and regulations Um, And when you compare it to, I don't know, places like the States, where it's more kind of zonal and it's very binary, it's either you can do it or you can't. Here, there's so much grey area and it's why I I heard a stat the other day, which amazed me, which was something like, of of those schemes that go to appeal, it was something like 80% win. But so many um, uh, cases that are withdrawn or pull out don't bother going to appeal because they don't they don't kind of think they're going to get there it was just it just amazed me i thought it's crazy that there's so much kind of grey area about planning isn't there
1: well look, right so i may or may not have mentioned i don't think i talked about this last time the the the, the key if they like to pick one key little bit of legislation right in all the planning law it would be section 386 of the um Planning and Compulsory Purchase Act 2004, right? It basically says, and this is about the gray area, right? Planning decisions must be made in accordance with the development plan, right? So you've got to do exactly what the rule book says unless other material considerations indicate otherwise, right? But that's actually really good, right? Because, you know, if you, you can't, you know, every site is different, every situation is different, the stuff changes, right? So in action so, so that actually gives a lot of leeway for tweaking things, changing things a bit, right? So So believe it or not, right? I actually think the UK planning system is to, is largely really, really, really good. Actually, you know it gives third parties and local people a chance to you know put put their case forward. Um, it gets debated. It's not like some other countries where, you know, you, you just go and do what you want and you don't care about how it affects other people. Right? So it's actually really, really, really good. In my opinion, when it's left alone for long enough, part of the problem is, you know, successive governments coming in, tweaking it, changing it, all of this talk about, the, you know, the planning system is broken. It needs a whole cell rethink. It actually, it doesn't really. Yeah, of course, there's loads of stuff that could be done to make it better. But but even if you just left it alone for long enough, we, developers, house builders, could make it work.
0: So it's about consistency. It's about being able to know where we all stand and then playing within the rules of that. Because at the moment, I mean, I'll give you an example. We did a, we've got something in appeal at the moment. And um, we thought we were... Absolutely away with it, and then the council contacted us a week before decisions due to tell us actually they're uh, adopting a new emerging plan um, which states something different, which totally kind of ruined it. But it's things like that, that make it so so difficult for us to be able to get such because it's a long term it's a it's a long term process, isn't it? Getting planning and building out and things like that. It
1: is, it is. But what I would say is when you. you know you've been in it a long time and you really know how it works a lot of it is about foreseeing all of that bullshit because to be honest what you've just told me isn't a surprise right it's not like not the first time it's ever happened right so knowing all of the stuff that might happen and having an a b c d this business is basically in a lot of ways it's like 10 dimensional chess seriously right because there's a lot of different moving parts and the rest of it so so as I mentioned earlier right the problem with most developers of all sizes is they think it's one size fits all and 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 they just sort of like try to do the same thing all the time they don't really think about well what if this what if that and all the rest of it so but nevertheless you know it isn't it is isn't easy there's there's no doubt about that
0: absolutely we're just going to have a quick break while we run through to our sponsor sorry to interrupt this fantastic episode but i just wanted to share some really exciting news with you After a long time of wanting to be involved in a financial services business, I am very pleased to say that myself and regular guest on the broadcast, Adam Lawrence, have bought into 978 Finance. We are a directly authorised FCA-regulated mortgage broker who specialises in buy-to-let mortgages, commercial mortgages and bridging and development loans. I've been very passionate about finance for a long time and have been part of financing a lot of very complex deals, as well as your typical buy-to-let and commercial mortgages. 978 Finance focuses on the customer journey and embodies the pragmatic solution oriented finance for each case that I absolutely love. It's got some very, very difficult financing deals over the line for me, and now I'm really pleased to be part of the business. So if you do have any new mortgages, refinances, bridging or development needs, please do get in touch with us. You can either contact myself or you can email simon at 978finance.com and we will make sure you're looked after. Let's get back to the show. So Paul, what advice would you give to SME developers at the moment trying to navigate the planning system, um, trying to invest in sites. Obviously there's a lot of challenges for them at the moment. What advice and tips would you give them?
1: Well, I'm trying not to say you need to do my training, obviously, um, but I mean, you, oh God, You, 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 you do need to know how the system really works, right? Um, and it is, it is like 10-dimensional chess, it, it really is. The reason you can potentially make a lot of money is because it's high risk, high reward, and complicated, yeah? So it really isn't the sort of thing you should get into lightly. Look, the, re- the reason I went and worked for PLC's house builders for 10 years is not because I wanted to. I, I, you know, I was developing, sort of doing smaller stuff for almost 10 years. Realised how much I didn't know. There was no way to really learn in those days, so I went to university part-time, studied land economics, all with a view to getting a job with a house builder so I could get the experience I needed, right? Didn't want to work for a PLC corporate world. You know, it's not my thing, but I needed the, the experience. So one way or another, you have got to learn what needs to be done. The alternative is that you learn the slow, painful, expensive way by trial and error. And in this business, it's it's like too high risk, too high reward, really, to do that, right?
0: And, that, and that's shown by the amount of developers that go bust. I mean, look, which look. is colossal.
1: Look, I I saw an advert the other day that really pissed me off, actually. Like, you know, and obviously there was someone trying to sell a course or whatever, and it basically said, blah, 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 blah. Have you ever seen a poor developer? Uh, yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, like nearly all of them all the time. Right, because because this is what happens. So,
0: you caviar know, and champagne for a week, and then beans on toast. week. New <laughs> people
1: come into the industry, don't really know how it works. Get involved. If the market's going up, it basically gets them out of the shit, and and all of their mistakes are sort of hidden, and they think they're geniuses. They do a slightly big one, slightly big enough, bigger one until the market goes flat or down, and then it's shit. It wasn't a good deal. It was only the market that was doing it. Then they go bust. Then they disappear. And that's the end of them. And then the new wave come through.
0: Then it's Forex
1: trading. But basically, re- re- really, and for a lot of them, it's not really clever development. It's just speculation. Yep. But they don't realise that that's what they're doing. And that's why there aren't really that many de- you know, developers that have been around long
0: term. Mm. yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. I think the whole thing about high risk its you've got a lot of capitals needed. And what we always say is like, look, prove the concept before you scale up. But the problem is people go and like, again, the PR around this, the media, whenever you think of a developer, you always think of someone who's got loads of money, don't you? Like, of course you do, because high rewards, but you forget about those high that high amount of risk. And at the moment, I mean we're seeing home builders, especially in like the medium size of the market, yeah, going under totally. at the fastest rate in history, yeah, construction companies going under, it's all linked as well. It the is. most amount of um construction companies going bust at the moment that that there's been on record. um it's up forty three percent from pre-pandemic levels. I mean, it's insane. So I do think people need to approach with caution. The whole kind of development world, um, going into like talking about your um, your project that you've just um, that we've been discussing. Talk us through the timeframes for that, because I think it's good to manage some of the audience's expectations on how long some of these things can actually take to come to fruition. And if you're buying sites and then hoping to get planning and then hoping to build out, and you're putting capital into that, I mean. You might think, oh yeah, twenty percent margin, but if that's taking you six years to, to do, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a great uh, it's not a great investment, is yeah. it?
1: Well, look, I, I almost don't want to tell you about the timescales on this one because it's because <laughs> it is so extreme, and this is the worst ever. So I will, I will cool. tell you, but this is this is it's the periods. It's always long, right? Yeah. But this is not typical. So, this site was basically introduced to me by someone ten years ago. Yeah. So remember that it been the landowner had had it for yep. years. They'd had eight planning refusals. They knew or hoped that it might have some potential at some point, but you know they'd spent thirty five years proof you know, getting refusals, right? So so it was you know it, to be honest, no one else really fancied it. I don't know if that many people could have ever done it, yep. right? So so that was it. So as a result, you know. But the landowner was emotionally attached to it. It was their only chance of making a few quid, of course, which they want they wanted to do. Um, someone introduced the site to me. I've obviously got a bit of a reputation of being good at this stuff. So we then took quite a long time to negotiate and agree the deal. Yeah. So so that probably from start to sort of signing, like probably a couple of years. Yeah. Right. Now, which is extreme. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not always like that. Yeah. <clears throat> then of course we had to work up the 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 planning so there's a lot of time doing surveys and coming up with ideas and reports and the rest of it and and one of the things you know in, in like my i've reverse engineered everything yeah. i've done everything i've learned over my 40 years now and and into a, like a step-by-step system to make it easy to explain and teach other people yeah and there's a bit in the middle about getting the best planning permission that starts with coming up with your planning strategy like I said earlier, right? It's always different. It's horses for courses. What I do on one site, I wouldn't do on another site, etc. So we had to come up with a, a, a very specific planning strategy, which on this one included because I, 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 based on the planning history of that site, right? I, I, the odds on it was going to get refused, right? I mean, the eight schemes before us, thirty-five years, had all been refused, right? largely because of the Greenbelt and AONB designation and also because it was in Chiltern District Council who were notoriously anti-development, right? So, so it was almost odds on you were never going to negotiate it, you're going to end up at appeal. Nevertheless, part of our overall strategy was trying to negotiate it and trying to be seen to negotiate it so that if and when we end up at appeal, the appeal inspector will hopefully like the, what we propose like the way we've done it, see that we really were trying to do everything we can to negotiate it and sadly, you know, we couldn't, we ended up here it is with you, Mr. Inspector. What, what do you think, yeah? So so it was a slow planning process for that reason. So it was pre-app and another pre-app and another pre-app and tweaking it a little bit and then planning application, which...
0: Which costs money as well. It, and it time all costs money. It all costs and... money.
1: I, I yeah. mean, just... Yeah, So so that was a good... That that was two hundred, not far, not not far off, getting towards three hundred thousand mm-hmm. pounds overall from start to finish. Yeah, in terms of like fees, appeals, specialist reports. I mean, you would not believe, or you, or you yeah. would. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, the amount of stuff that you have to submit, yeah. submit, submit now. Right. I mean, I've got to say. Particularly for people that are sort of like new or whatever, I don't want to get them to think that it's all like that. because yeah. this is this is extreme.
0: But I do think, I mean, like you can you can take a well a fairly bog standard kind of new build. I mean, what I think a lot of people that are new to it don't realise is how many reports and specialists you need to get um, sort of written reports from and pay them for that. Um, I think they think, oh, planning consultant, architect, away we go, that's and that's right, just yeah. not the case. There's a lot of other reports: daylight, sunlight, energy, heritage. I mean, yeah. the list is endless, depending on the site. So I, I think it is important to kind of go through that. Yeah, yeah, it is. So
1: so so anyway, so 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 it took a long time to get planning, and then of course we had COVID and lockdown in the middle, which sort of like you know. So whilst luckily enough for me and that one, we weren't. I wasn't in the middle of building it on site. All the consultants and everyone else that you need and stuff yeah. like that—none of them are working because yeah. certainly, if you remember to start with, everyone was liking it, having a nice little holiday before it all got yeah. really weird. Yeah, so, so, so we we were sort of stuck in in probably two years in the middle when things were all a bit weird and not a lot could happen. We then had to tender it. We had to do the detailed design.
0: What about kind of getting? Discharge of conditions where there's some oh, stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that, like that, that, yeah. that's
1: that's that's the other the, yeah. other the other massive one. You know, all all of that stuff takes time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a super complicated build. I mean, you know, most people will tell you about the cheapest thing you can build is like a rectangular box in a green field. Yeah.
0: We, no right angles on your building. We, we, we couldn't
1: be we couldn't be further away from from that. I mean, I I, I was at an HBC conference about nine. Uh, Months ago, on all the sort of like technical issues and dealing with defects and stuff like that, and and there was this guy doing this sort of little talk about the things, the the ten things to be avoided at all costs, and we literally got all of them. <laughs> but because, just because we had because that's nothing else as you know, rectangular well, yeah. box would never have got planning. Yeah. You know, yeah,
0: yeah. So it's kind of planning led on, on on that side to force it. But so
1: once once you then Sorry, man, actually just one really important thing to mention as well, of course. So over the last. To two and a half years, what, as a result of you know Ukraine, Brexit, all sorts of other stuff. Bill costs have mm. gone up more in that period than they have at any other period since the Second World War. Yeah, so so we were in the middle of all of that. So I was like constantly value engineering stuff. There was materials you had designed in you just couldn't get anymore. Yeah. So I was constantly tweaking things, changing things, value engineering things, looking at things to do things in a cheaper, quicker way. So you know it was it was a crazy time as well
0: and so once you got kind of permissions you got conditions discharged and you actually got onto site what happened then how what talk us through the time frames of once you were on site so getting to site well, getting the planning that was the first stage and that clearly took a few years then getting being able to start on site from getting that initial kind of winning appeal. How long did that take that, to discharge those conditions and be ready and tender and all that kind of stuff?
1: Well, because of the pit, that was probably 18 months. Yeah. OK. Because we wanted that, it had to be done the, the, of course, the, yeah. the, the right way. You yeah. Know?
0: And then, so once you then... Yeah, sorry, to sorry. Should I
1: should add a really important thing to, thing, thing to add here. Because of it was such a risky deal, um, it, it was a, it's a JV with a landowner, mm-hmm. yeah. So so you know you wouldn't have wanted no one. You would have been mad to buy that site, yeah, because it you know had such a big yeah. question mark yeah. over it, yeah. So it was, and, and of course the, the landowner wanted to stay in the deal so that he could share in the, the in the, yeah. in, the up, in the upside. So.
0: And so, what was then the time? So, once eighteen months to start on site, and then how long has it been on site for? Because obviously there's. A lot of complexities that you've gone through, it's not as simple as kind of right, get the brick layers in, get the roof no, on, and all no. that no, so,
1: so, so, look, so, so, so it was it was super detailed design. Yeah. Um, that there, the, there was the site was contaminated, there was a whole load of demolition. I told you there was quarter million quid's worth of Japanese knotweed that had to be, you know, dealt with in a very specific yeah. way. Um, the foundations are piled. Um, you know, we got massive open spans, so it had to be steel frame. We were gonna do it in sips just about a start, and you can't get sips anymore yeah. for a period of time, they just weren't making them. It's like a whole, you know, it's a whole, it's well, a whole all the factories
0: have gone yeah, bust, yeah, haven't yeah. they? Exactly. That was the you got, problem. You got, so, you yeah, got factory yeah, yeah. shut,
1: you got you got you've got all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it so it really was crazy time. So so actually the it it getting on for twenty months mm-hmm. overall the build.
0: That's not too bad to be honest, I was because of, of the size of these buildings yeah, they're not no, small no, like yeah, there's, yeah.
1: there's there's no way you would have, you would have got them done yeah. done done quicker you know mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fantastic and so the end result is the fantastic kind of grand design esque kind of houses that you've got um how have the numbers been on that is it is this been a success in terms of an investment as well as obviously adding to that community leaving the community much better than it was when you found it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so well, I'll tell you. So the the short answer is we don't know yet. Cause because they're not on the market. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't launched them. So the they were sort of finished just before Christmas, like mm-hmm. no no November. Key part of this whole site is the landscaping, it is the nature, yeah. So November's the worst time of year, November, December, even January actually, you don't want to be selling houses, particularly big houses. People are thinking about Christmas, they're not looking to move. And of course, in terms of the nature, it's middle of winter, it was looking at it, 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 it's worse, yeah? So we're we're gearing up for a launch um in the beginning of March, mm-hmm. when literally the you know, the million-dollar question will be: you know, what do we get for them? But you know, they are very unique, they're all net zero, they're the biophilic design there's a, actually an organization now actually called building with nature now i didn't they didn't well i di- I didn 't know they existed before we started so it was only sort of like halfway through mm-hmm. that I discovered there's actually this organization called building with nature which is trying to encourage developers to build with nature and, we, and they've got this sort of list of stuff that you should do we were doing it all anyway mm-hmm. right so that's actually some an organization and something I'm really interested in supporting and encouraging um, you know, particularly if, if any green belt stuff is to be, um, you know, developed, then that, that should be the focus, you know. And,
0: and what are some of the things that they're doing to encourage developers? Because I know like things like you mentioned, kind of net zero, there's funding lines that are cheaper than your typical funding lines for if you can build to a certain kind of energy level and things like that, not just development finance, well, not just term finance, because there's green deals, but there's also development finance where once you've done it, if you have done to what you say you will, they'll reduce the exit fee and things like that. Yeah, so.
1: I've got to tell you, though, <laughs> within the scheme of things.
0: It, makes, it doesn't make it, a big enough difference. It doesn't make a lot of, yeah.
1: lot, lot, lot of difference. Um, yet. So, yeah. So, so you know, the, the, the problem is with all of this sustainable stuff, it, at the moment, it still is generally more expensive. A lot of it you've got to do now anyway with new building sure. and, and, and what have you. But, you know, all of this stuff is just making development increasingly expensive. I mean, you know, biodiversity net gain may or may not be some, something you, you, you know about, but that is just about to make things well, even harder. You I know? mean,
0: if you look at the headwinds that developers have had, you've had, I mean... Nutrient neutrality, is it happening? Is it not happening? You've had kind of um, the um, developers tax that's come in. Um, You've got all the different kind of surveys in there, depending on the time of year, like bats and newts and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's, um, God, the list is endless kind of thing. And it just seems to be getting more and more and more kind of legislation being added to it. Um so yeah, I mean it's 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 an incredibly difficult thing and all these things add to costs. So how do you recoup that cost and what are the government or organisations like the ones you you've mentioned, what are they actually doing to encourage kind of more people to do that? And what can they do?
1: Well, I t they're not none, they're not doing anything is the answer, right? And and the problem is is it's really only Sort of developers that are on the front line mm. that really understand the implications of all of this stuff because at the end of the day, obviously, it's us that's got to make deals work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every bit of land has got an, an existing use value, it's worth whatever it's worth at the moment. Now, particularly if it's got buildings already on it, yeah, so everything's got an existing use value. In order to incentivize a landowner to sell, they're going to want a bit of a premium over and above that existing use value. Now, how much of a premium is a negotiation, right? But they're going to, you know, they get to the point whereby they're not going to sell it for less than it's worth, right? Um, so our job, of course, of development, as developers, name of the game is maximising land values, mm-hmm. yeah? So we've got to come up through clever design and planning. We've got to make the overall pie as big as possible so that there's enough to be shared around between... You know, the landowner giving them, a, a, you know, beating existing use yep. value and giving us a profit that makes it worth our while in what is an increasingly tricky and re- risky business, right? So, and then of course, when all of this additional stuff gets chucked in, you know, seal, section 106, affordable housing, um, biodiversity next gate um, and BNG credits, you know, and there's a ton and ton of other stuff, new building regs. All of, all of this stuff's putting costs up, right? Basically, you know, developers' Squeezing margins and margin. land values are just getting squeezed. It's one of the reasons they're all going bust. And and the problem is, and look, and don't get me wrong, I told you, you know, I'm... Not many people know that I'm actually a bit of a hippie, right? Sadly, I haven't got the hair for it. <laughs> I would have if I did have, you know. But, but, you know, so I'm into all of that stuff. I think it's really important. But at the end of the day... Deals just become unviable. So that's one of the reasons we've got a big housing problem, right? Because stuff just doesn't stack up and it's not going to happen. And the problem is, you know, all of the these different people like sort of like throwing additional costs and requirements at it have no real implication, or oh, sorry, understanding of, 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 what, of what that means for developers and land yeah. values. They all think, I think, that we've got an endless pot of money, you know, and we're, we're all, you know... Driving, flying around in private jets or something—I don't know what they. I,
0: do. I don't know. I mean, call me cynical, but I don't even think they think of that. I think they purely think of what do our voters want to hear, and let's give them what they want to hear. And uh, what when, like you say, when people talk about. Greenbelt, no, we don't want building on that. Let's make sure that we've put things in place to stop that. And uh, everyone wants new homes, but just not next to them yeah, and not on places fine. they don't want. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough job. We we had someone on uh, previously, um, Richard Berridge from the um, uh, uh, what was it? A Single Family Rental Association. And um, he had some great points about kind of institutional money going into building new homes. And one of the things was that actually UK regulation, a lot of these kind of pension funds don't care about UK regulation because they invest globally. So whereas our EPC targets, for example, have been pulled, they actually will still do it to what European and American rules, which are a bit ahead of us, do because they have to future proof it because they are global investors. And I just found like all that stuff is quite interesting. It's kind of what they're looking at long term. They're looking at kind of um, where they can kind of save money by doing that. But it's about attracting investment into into the area. And When margins get squeezed, unfortunately, it makes it difficult when you've got a four year political cycle. I think we said for everything China does bad, what they do well is have a really long-term outlook on things. <laughs> so mm. it's easier. It's a bit like the planning where they're tinkering with everything. Well, you kind of know where you stand. You go, okay, yeah, here's where we go. We can plan for this now. Um, but in the UK, there seems to be a bit of a bit of a lack of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, who, who, who knows what what's happening? The, the 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 world is obviously going a bit bonkers, isn't it? And uh, I'll tell you what, on a sort of related note, actually, one <laughs> one of the things that really pisses me off, right, is, is you know, like I'm not, I'm not a landlord, I own a few little bits here and there, you know, not really an, an investor, the only yeah. thing I invest in is... Developments. Development. Development yeah. stuff, right, and a bit of prop tech stuff. But, you know, other than that, I'm not an investor, I'm not a landlord, I haven't got loads of houses or, or anything like that, but, you know, I've got lots of mates that have and you and stuff, I know the industry, so I sort of know what's happening, and of course, it's all the you know middle people in the middle that are getting squeezed, and mm-hmm. like land, landlords, are a classic example, right? they just most of them just trying to have a build up a little pension for himself because yeah. you ain't going to get one anywhere else, yeah. And so, so they've obviously been fucked over something chronic, yeah. Whilst the institutional build to rent sector is sort of taken over, right? And and I, you know, it's just more of you know, the money getting sucked up to whoever or wherever it is and the people in the middle getting fucked. So at, at some point, you know, those same people are even going to own all the housing. You know, you can't you can't even have any of that.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 there's definitely some of that, but then it's who owns that? Well, it's all of us in our pensions if we've managed to get one if we haven't done, done our own houses. So it kind of... Yeah, I, t- I take your point. Um I think I think the reason it's going in there is because they've got capital, and yeah, whereas the yeah. small people don't. And so they go, well, I can't, I don't know, chuck a million quid into this because I don't have it, and I, I can't have a longer-term outlook because actually I need money back within five years, whereas, I don't know, to build something up is going to take seven years by the time you start getting income out of it and things like that. So yeah, I, well, I,
1: that's absolutely right. Tricky. And, and of and, course, and, and all, all things, you know, like for like um, – just looking at, you know, so like bill bill costs is pretty much the same for everyone, mm-hmm. right? So, so the but of course, where the big, there is a big saving for the massive institutions and your black rocks of the world and all the rest of it, is, is money's just so much cheaper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if their kind of debt is, I, I spoke to a REIT the other day and um, their, their debt over the next four and a half years is fixed at 2%. Um, whereas, I mean, God, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. Um, whereas we can't go out into the capital markets to get that. So Paul you mentioned Proptech there and you mentioned how you've been involved in that and I know one of the previous companies was was uh well still going is is Land Insight. Uh, talk us through kind of Proptech and why you think that's important and why it's attracted you to that sector.
1: Yeah, so well just to so just to let you know what happened with with Landtech Land Insight. Yeah, so so I've been involved in that for 10 years now actually. It's tw- um yeah, 2014 that first started. Yeah, so um, right at the very beginning, uh, guys had an idea about coming up with some software to help um, self-builders. Actually, it was initially to find plots of land in the west of it. Obviously, they were looking for a bit of a land expert, and they were looking for investors. Somehow, found me. Started talking to me. Um, I could, you know, obviously i no land planning inside out. So I could see the potential and knew that it was way more than self-builders, yeah? Um, and, actually, and actually, and so I knew what it could do or could be made to do, mm-hmm. yeah? And and actually, initially, I actually didn't want it to exist because I was thinking, like, shit, you know, if, a, if and when this <laughs> could, you know, something is created to do what I know something could be created to do, it's going to make it way harder for me, Right. Um, but anyway, you know, after a short while, I thought, well, look, it's going to happen at some point anyway. So I might as well be in the middle of it. Yeah. So, so I did invest. Um, luckily enough, um, the guy, guy that came in with me, Simon Murdoch, is a. So I know I'm like the land and planning guy. I know that part of the business inside out. He's a serial investor, bit of a genius, PhD, um, you know, sold a company to Amazon like 25 years ago. And became a serial, you know, tech investor ever since. He's done like Shazam, Zoopla, a load of big ones that you'd have heard of. So, so it was really good. So I, I, I think, you know, he sort of thought, well, look, I don't really know anything about land and planning, but this bloke obviously does. And and I thought, well, look, I don't know anything about this whole techie investment stuff, but this bloke obviously does. So we sort of both went, went in. Obviously, the guys running it, pushing it, you know. Um, Andy, Andrew, and Johnny, um, in particular, CEO, have done have done amazing, and it's done really, really well. And, but and one of the, the reasons for that is, of course, is I am the customer. Mm. Like, 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 what happens with and now as a result of that, you know, I get involved, I get um, tapped up quite a lot by you know the startups and stuff like that, and all of them have got no idea about the sector half of them are trying to solve a problem that isn't really the problem because mm. they come from outside the sector and i don't really understand it in enough detail obviously i did because you know i am the customer whether it be a one-man ban just starting out because yeah. of course that's what i used to be to pedland land at the biggest developer in the country because of course that's what i used to be you know i literally knew what all of the problems were so so I think that really helped in terms of being able to get it to do Landtech Land Insight exactly what it needed to do yeah. really quickly and we were the first.
0: It was a fantastic product and and easy to use for someone who's not techy like me it was absolutely great.
1: Yeah and look there's obviously competition now there there wasn't really when we started there, there there's a few other ones but you know you, you know none, none of them are as good as us without a shadow of a doubt most of the PLCs use use Land Insight so you know, that's because it is the best.
0: Yeah. And so, what about now? Are you still still doing yeah. that? Yeah. And and, and, the, and, the and again, tech?
1: more more recently, um, I got approached by someone with something that did interest me. And they get same again. Actually, they had a, they had an idea, um, which was all right, but, but but again, it wasn't quite right. But I could see how it could yeah. be right and what it did need. Because of course, again, I know the industry there. Yeah? So you know, I've I've just become the founding investor in something else, which I'm keeping a bit under the radar just at the moment until okay. we have a big announcement. But I, I think that's going to be really big as well. But it, what it's a large part of it is about helping more sustainable um, modern methods of construction mm-hmm. get get out there. Yeah, and um, and and you know save carbon and help sure. the environment and stuff like that.
0: And, and what? And so touching on modern methods of construction, why do you feel that they've struggled over the last few years? Because they clearly have because loads of factories have gone bust. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. People, I mean, we, we did a um, modular build back in from 2014, 2015. It was fantastic. And I'd love to do it probably on every build ever because there were so many great positives about it. But the negative was it just cost too much and it's never quite got to the stage where I can go, oh, yeah, I can do that again, I can do that again, yeah. I can do that again. Yeah. So- it's,
1: it's, 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 it's a really good question, right? So there is a massive skills shortage in, in the construction industry and that's getting worse, mm-hmm. yeah? So, you know, it definitely we do need modern methods of construction and things are going that way slowly. Um, but at the moment, the fact of the matter is most of the time, depending on what, what it is, um, traditional construction is 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 cheaper, mm. right? So at the end of the day, remember you've got to maximise land values, you've got to get the deals done. If something's five or ten percent more expensive to build, you can't do it that way, right? And 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 with a lot of this super sustainable stuff, modern methods of construction, a lot of it's more expensive, it's not cheaper. Where it can become cheaper, particularly with things like modular, is where getting it up and built and your incoming quick mm. is you know with the yeah, time speed. saving there yeah, so yeah. that's why it's big in student accommodation build to rent hotels because yeah. like you know the sooner you're up the sooner you got your income generating that starts flipping the build cost increase yeah. yeah so it does make sense so you know it will it will change and that gap is narrowing but we're not just we're not quite yet there there yet one of the main reasons lots of the you know legal and general Ilka all the others are going bust, I think is because, well, a lot of it's to do with the pipeline, mm-hmm. yeah, and planning actually, again. Yeah. Yeah, so, you pipeline, know, there's not, it? it's not like people like talk about, oh, well, like, you know, like the car industry. It's it's not like the car industry. You know, you you haven't got something stopping you being able to sell it, yeah. apart from the market and prices and stuff like that, you, you know, i.e. the planning system. So So that really, you know, people can't, you know you you don't you don't you it's hard to work out your 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 pipeline right sure. so you've got massive investment in you know big factories um churning stuff out and then when they've got to stop and they're not churning stuff out and you've got all of that overhead like like literally you're screwed and so you've got so the the i guess the end market is not liquid enough liquid, liquid enough and the other thing is the stuff that they're creating it's not flexible enough mm. because half the time, you know, uh, an X by Y size by Z size box doesn't work for the planning. A- ain't, ain't, ain't gonna work for. <laughs> well, it's why design.
0: You, you've got to kind of got to get them in at, at design stage before it goes into planning to see what you can work. And it's having kind of all all the stakeholders in there because they might say, "Well, we, actually, if we get planned for that, it's going to be a pain in the ass to build in that in that method." Um, exactly, yeah, and yeah.
1: that and that's, and that's a big part of this this new mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. we've just started up.
0: Well, I'm excited to uh, to hear more in the future. Paul, always a pleasure. Always great to chat to you about everything kind of land and planning. Thanks a lot for coming on. Hope we can have you again soon. No
1: worries, mate. But-